Thanks as always, guys, for downloading this week's podcast. And if you haven't yet, give us a rating, a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Email it to me, Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Just take a screenshot, and I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. Hell of a deal. I'm telling you, hell of a deal. Enjoy the show. We'll talk soon. We continue on Heartland College Sports Weekly. I'm Pete Mundo, and we now say hello to Matthew Postens. You read him on the site all the time. Uh, fantastic hoops and football coverage for us. And, Matthew, I was talking earlier in the show how this is just the time of year where if you're a college football fan, you are salivating for some type of news or information because it is absolutely dead right now. <laughs> it really is. I mean, uh yeah, the biggest thing, obviously, this week has been the sports gambling story with the Supreme Court uh, overturning that ruling, and, and that obviously has implications not just for the professional sports out there, but it has implications for the college sports, too. Um, that's been the most impactful news in the last couple of weeks. Otherwise, we're just counting down to that first weekend in September where everybody can finally get started playing football again. and. Uh, trying to answer some of these questions that we've been trying to answer, you know, hypothetically for the last few months. Well, let's let's talk about that, uh, the sports gambling thing, Matthew. You know, I'm a proponent of it. I think it's great to get that money out of the shadows, so to speak, and, and bring it to the forefront, help the states with some funding, um, also make gambling easier and more more obviously legal for people. But I never thought of it from a college perspective. Do you think this brings up any issues for the college athletes, or it, does it not really change anything in your eyes? You know, we've had point-shaving scandals in the past. The one that I think about most notably is the, the Tulane scandal in the early 80s uh, in basketball. Uh, they had several players that lost their eligibility. Their head coach lost their job. Um, you know, we've seen it from time to time. It's not a it's not a steady thing. You know, we don't see this sort of thing happen very often. Uh, you know, I don't know how much of an impact it has in the college game in terms of, you know, is it going to influence the way – people coach or the way kids coach or how boosters, you know, give a hundred dollar handshake, so to speak, because there's been a line on college games for years and they've been able to bet on games in Vegas and and other places for years. So uh, that to me is not the, that to me is not a significant piece of it. The more significant piece of it to me is we see NBA teams and NFL teams and other professional sports teams who have made deals with um, organizations like DraftKings and and other daily fantasy sports, things like that. We haven't seen a lot of college teams do that. In fact, I'm not sure we've seen any college teams do that sort of thing. So, you know, those are ways that NFL teams have have worked to kind of generate revenue and get an extra piece of the pie. Is that something that could filter down to college? Because you do have daily football, college football fantasy games and DraftKings and FanDuel and that sort of thing well, right they actually, now. Actually, Matthew, they got, they, got, they got rid of those on the college level at the DraftKings. So I do oh, wonder, they okay. yeah, they, they got rid of that because I used to play the DraftKings at the college level, and I want to say back uh, maybe the, the 2016 season, they waxed that, and they said no more. So okay. I do wonder what's going to happen here, if, if that is going to now filter to the college level, or if, like, you know, you're going to see a patch for uh, Caesars Casino now on, like, the Oklahoma Sooners jersey. And that, that to me, something about that with a collegiate athlete feels very weird. I, I would agree with that completely. I remember playing the, the college fantasy game, I think, in 2015, so I didn't realize they'd phased that out. But, but, yeah, I mean, you see NBA teams and NFL teams have ads on their jerseys right now, especially in practice. 
that would seem weird to me at the college game. But again, you know, you have colleges, you have a group of colleges that are not struggling for revenue, those power five schools. And then you have these group of five schools that are, you know, struggling for revenue in some cases. And that might be a way to help them generate revenue that can help them keep up, you know, not necessarily with the power five schools, but just w- with themselves, because these are schools that have to play money games to make ends meet with the rest of their athletic departments. So, yeah, I don't think we know what the implications are going to be yet, but I could see some of those filtering down to the college level without question. Matthew Poston's joining us here as we uh, talk some Big 12 shop. It's off season. It's quiet. So we're having a, a great conversation about the sports gambling and what's gone on here and how that could affect the college level. I also wonder, uh, Matthew, if, if you look at the college game, you know, they got rid of it. They got rid of Daily Fantasy a couple of years ago because it felt weird for college kids to be potentially making money for other people, um, you know, with that whole, you know, if you had a big day, like how Daily Fantasy worked. When you factor in yeah. the gambling side of this and you factor in, like we talked about, a Caesar sponsoring OU, I also think it would feel weird. But let's be honest, too, with the way that things are trending in terms of um, – you know, media and sports rights, that's going to be a totally different landscape in 10 years. And if places like ESPN aren't paying the billions of dollars that they are today for Big 12 rights and SEC rights, maybe the schools do try to make up some of that money in a place like a sponsorship with a gambling company. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point because we have all these television contracts that are coming up probably in the next four to five years, the big ones. And we were talking about the the tier one and tier two, right? So those are coming up, I think, in 2023, 2024, 2025, that range. You know, I could see ESPN just as easily overpaying for the rights because they're having issues, you know, with other areas. And obviously having games on TV is an easy way for them to get ratings and sell advertising, et cetera. Or just as easily I could see it coming back a little bit in terms of the rights fees. So if if the rights fees... If the prices on those rights fees come down and those colleges are making less money, yeah, they're going to have to find ways to, to you know, reinforce that revenue. It doesn't impact a Texas or an Oklahoma as much as it does, say, an Arkansas state or a Louisiana Lafayette. Those are the schools that would feel the pinch in those cases because, you know, ESPN is not going to loop $50 million off the ACC contract and give it to the Sun Belt. Uh, that's just yeah. not going to happen. So <laughs> if one contract takes a step back, everybody's going to feel the pinch, and then everybody's going to be looking for a way to make up that revenue. Absolutely. Matthew, I, I wrote an article uh, a couple days ago about you know ranking – who would be the best Big 12 uh, NFL head coach? And, it, you know, it's, 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 it's mindless in the sense that there's no right answer. I said Matt Rule with his NFL experience. Um, Tom Coughlin working under him feels like the right guy. I had Lincoln Riley at two. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw that list. Did you have any discrepancies with it? Who would you say in the Big 12 would make the best NFL head coach? You know, I thought for a long time it was Bob Stoops, and obviously Bob retired. Uh, so, you know, I think Lincoln Riley is probably about as good as any in terms of choices just because, you know, he has shown in his career not just at the, as the head coach at Oklahoma but as the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma and before that the offensive coordinator at East Carolina that he really understands how to construct a good, exciting offense that really – you know, really takes on the character of the players that are in that offense. I mean, he really tailored things to Baker Mayfield over the past few years. But even before that, at East Carolina, he did the same thing with that offense. He built that offense around the quarterback. He he was able to help that quarterback make things happen. 
there on the field. And I think if you're looking at the NFL and the way things trend in the NFL, we know it's an offensive league now. It's harder to play defense. It's harder to play quality defense. And, you know, for, for if you're a NFL team looking for a forward-thinking uh, college head coach to come head up your NFL team out of the Big 12, I think Lincoln Riley is probably the, the coach that teams are going to gravitate toward the most. Rule certainly has the NFL experience as an assistant, and I think that's very helpful. Um, but I, I think for most NFL teams, I think Lincoln Riley would probably be their first choice followed by uh, Matt Rule, and then I wouldn't rule out Matt Campbell just because I think he's a young coach that has a, a lot of really interesting pieces in his career. You know, he is, he's a guy, he's an Ohio guy. He's uh, been successful everywhere he's been. Uh, I kind of feel like at some point if the Ohio State job ever opens up, he's going to be one of the real serious candidates because of his Ohio roots. So I, I wouldn't rule out NFL coaches being interested in him just because of his youth, uh, the things he's done at Iowa State, and, and just his general... Uh, philosophy and sense of how football should be played. Matthew Poston's joining us here. You read him all the time on heartlandcollegesports.com. Uh, Ma- Matthew, the one thing I'll say about Lincoln Riley, i got to see it without Baker Mayfield first before I, uh, I say he's going to do it the next level. If he has an 11-1 season this year, then I'll maybe bump him up, but i got to see that first. Well, you, you might have to see him do it without Kyler Murray this year. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If he does that, I'll be impressed. Um, let, let's let's dive into you know just early thoughts here. I think the Mountaineers are the team that can challenge OU this year and take away that Big Twelve crown. Denzel Fisher comes in as a grad transfer at cornerback. They desperately need help there. The defense is, if it can just be good enough with Will Greer on offense, I think they can make some noise. And I got to believe that Dana Holgerson, he's got you know I know he won ten games two years ago. Last year they stumbled down the stretch without Greer. I think this is a pretty big and defining season for Dana Holgerson. Yeah, I would agree. I, w- I would think from an offensive standpoint, they haven't been set up better than they've been set up this year with just having the quarterback coming back, having practically every weapon around him coming back, uh, same offensive coordinator. Uh, they were highly successful on the offensive side of the football. And, you know, the thing about West Virginia, you're right, it is the defense. The, the grad transfer helps. But when I covered their game against Virginia Tech at the beginning last season, you know, Tony Gibson, their defensive coordinator, said, you know, right now we just don't have the depth. We don't have enough guys on the defensive side of the football. We can't go too deep. We've got to start developing some guys. And, and they started that process during last season with a lot of young guys, a lot of redshirt uh, freshmen, a lot of redshirt sophomores to kind of build that depth. Uh, they haven't lost a lot on the defensive side of the football. So it, you're right. If they're just able to play good enough on the defensive side of the football, the offense is going to take care of them eight, nine, ten games out of the year. And then it's really about whether or not you can beat Oklahoma, maybe beat Oklahoma State, uh, maybe beat uh, Kansas State, just because Kansas State's always a tough game. So, you know, if they can just find that balance, I think I don't think nine and three or ten and two is out of the question. But then they got to figure out a way to beat Oklahoma. He's Matthew Poston. Always enjoy reading him and talking to him. Matthew, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll do it again soon. All right. Thanks, Pete. Coming up next, more on what's going on here with uh, the gambling and how that's going to affect college sports. Right here, Heartland College Sports Weekly.